Well, that's a pretty gripping picture of life when you put the art of the muse, the band who did that song called Hysteria, and the dramatic dance together. Uh, Whether you could hear the lyrics or not, the lyrics said it's holding me, morphing me, and forcing me to strive to be endlessly cold within and dreaming I'm alive. It's descriptive of life to me. These artists who wrote these lyrics are living in this world. It's like this world is forcing us to strive, to work hard, to, to overcome the obstacles and the challenges. And yet, no matter how hard we strive and how hard we try, we're still cold within. And all we're left to do is dream about the life we could have. To dream about how life's supposed to be. And finally, in that chorus, it says, I'm breaking out. I'm going to escape now. And yet, the last four words, feeling my faith erode. My gosh. It's enough to make you want to go out for a coffee. (laughs) I mean, life's tough, isn't it? Let's just speak it. Life is tough. I mean, there are a lot of people playing make-believe. There are a lot of people trying to present life as the dream they want it to be and denying the reality that it is. But life is hard and life comes with challenges. It's like all the forces in this world are working against us, keeping us trapped, putting huge limits on who we are and what we become. And then when we finally do decide that we're going to, we're going to break out of it, we're going to break away. We're going to override these forces. We're going, to, we're going to break the mold. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we can't ever really break free because even when we rip it off, we seem to be still stuck in the same place over and over and over again. Well, if you've ever gotten to the place as a result of this cycle of life and how tough it is where you've just wanted to kind of throw your arms up and scream, why? Well, this weekend's talk is for you. I'm going to try and address the question, why? why? Why is life so tough? Why does it seem like all of its forces work against us? How come, no matter what we do, we can't seem to break free? No matter how hard we try, we can't just break free. And I'm not going to stop with just talking about the why. But I want to talk about how God has made the impossible possible, how God has provided a solution for us. Whereas we can't on our own break the mold, he has made it possible for us to break the mold and move on to redefine our lives. And so, uh, are you ready? All right. That's great. I love that one person who was (laughs) caffeined up and ready to go. Uh, It's exciting. Here's our problem. Because we have, along the way, accepted and ultimately conformed to the wrong mold, we, we put on the mask that comes with this natural life of ours. All the wrong things have ulti- ultimately defined our lives. It's like everything that we want to define our lives doesn't define our lives, and those things we would never want to define us are what defines us. I mean, it's, it's been this way all of our lives. None of us really wanted the picture of who we were 
to be the picture that was. And yet that's exactly where we were. I, I mean, we literally are defined by all the wrong things. And I just kind of walked through Scripture and tried to combine them into large areas, uh, defining all the things that define us. The, the first thing is guilt. Guilt is a huge defining reality of all of our lives. Either because we work so hard to hide it that we have worked our entire lives to create masks, or we just live it openly and allow that to be who we are. Guilty, broken, flawed, and it literally defines who we are. When you think of guilt, you have to think of regret and shame and all those things that make us drop our head and not want to look into the eyes of the person we see in the mirror, let alone in the eyes of other people we're with. No wonder we mask ourselves. Because as we're seeing people look into us, we feel like they're seeing who we really are. And when we look at who we really are, we don't like what we see. David, who was actually a man after God's own heart, ultimately was able to, to break the mold and break free and overcome this, this cycle of brokenness that plagues each and every one of us, knew what it was like to be defined by guilt. Psalm 38, verse 4, he says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Have you ever been there? Where it's like it's all you can think about. It's all you can see looking back at you in the mirror. I mean, your guilt, your shame, your regret, your darkness. And for those of you who can't relate, when you get off your drugs, you will be able to finally figure this out. And I'm not making light of addiction. I'm just simply saying, we all know what it's like to feel the darkness of who we really are. Every single one of us. And I know churchy people and religious people love to live the fairy tale as if it's true. But it's not true that they've never been broken. It's not true that they're better than anyone else. It's not true that their story is different than our story. Our story is one of brokenness. Our story is one of bad decision followed by bad decision. Our story is one defined by guilt because we've all made those lousy choices. And I, I'm telling you, I, I know from personal experience, I certainly know from biblical truth, and I know from pastoring a multitude of people that, that when we allow guilt to define us, it can consume us. It becomes our identity. It, it paralyzes us. It freezes us in time. Some of us are still living decades ago because we're so frozen by choices we made and, and the guilt that remains. Guilt defines us. Loss defines us. Another huge category that defines us when you want to know what our lives are defined by. Loss. The, the loss of the life that we were created for. I believe every single one of us can look back on our life and we can go... I was designed for so much more, but I'm experiencing less because of this choice and that choice and this thing. Loss. Loss of, of purpose, ultimately. Many of us are wandering around in the dark, wondering what in the world we're on this planet for. We can't figure it out. We, we wake up and we do the, the, the daily dance and then we pillow our head and we wake up again the next day and we have the cycle of, like, meaninglessness. And that's loss because we were created on purpose, for purpose, for meaning, for value. We've all experienced the loss of relationship with other people. I mean, I can wander through the corridors of my past life, and I'm telling you there are so many relationships that were lost that had been once meaningful. 
but are now lost. Time and time again, long-term relationships just don't seem to happen in most of our lives because of what defines us. Bad choices, and guilt, and brokenness, and insecurities, and all that stuff. And so we experience loss. And not just loss of relationship with God, but I mean others, but loss of relationship with God. In Every one of us ultimately longs for, whether you even think you believe in a God or not, we long for this one who made us. We're striving for the meaning that would come from that, from the identity and security that would come from that. But we lost that long ago because of the bad choices we made. We accepted and conformed to the wrong mold. And as a result, all the wrong things have defined our lives. I mean, many of us have lost fulfillment. And it can go on. Look at Ephesians 4.18. It just anchors it. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Separated from the life of God. Talk about loss. There it is. It's what we're longing for. Guilt defines us. Loss defines us. And one other thing I find that ultimately comes down our way and kills us is failure. Failure defines us. It certainly brings about loss, and sometimes it brings about guilt, but failure is an entirely different category. And yet, so often it defines who we see ourselves as. Failures. Paul, the apostle, overcame it. He was able to ultimately break the mold and break free of it. In Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, though, he described it. He said, I I know that nothing good lives in me. Talk about being defined. That is in my sinful nature. For I have, I have this desire to do what's good, to live this life that God created for me, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, it's the evil I do, not want to do, that I keep on doing. And this just kind of defined his journey. Failure. And I know not everyone has the dramatic story that I have. But you have your own dramatic story. And I would bet that you can identify with those words as closely as I can. I mean, it's like I could have written this if I was as good at writing as he was. The good that I want to do, I don't do. No, it's the evil I don't want to do that I keep on doing. You know, he was too spiritual to say this, but I'd say, what the crap is wrong with me? Really, what is wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Here's the truth I want you to see as the as the changing point in the discussion. We do have this problem. We've all chosen to put on the wrong mask, to conform to the wrong mold. And as a result, we've all been defined by the wrong things. But the truth is that Jesus makes it possible to redefine our lives. Now, this is so valuable. Jesus makes it possible to redefine our lives. We've defined our lives as they are. Defined by guilt and loss and, and all the different failures that we've experienced in life. But Jesus makes it possible to do what we can't do on our own. We can try hard, but we can't redefine our lives. We can work hard, but we can't redefine our lives. We can break free from one relationship and we go right into the next relationship. And what happens? The way we were defined before is the way we're defined again. Because this is who we are. We can't break free. Every time we pull the mask off and throw it down, it's like the mask is there again. But Jesus makes the impossible possible. We can redefine our lives. And think about what that means. That means we can redefine our lives from guilt to forgiven 
and free. That's just, there's a big difference there. From being overwhelmed with guilt and shame and regret, from living afraid to even look at ourselves in the mirror, to being absolutely forgiven and absolutely free. Oh my. To be able to to look at yourself in the mirror and gaze deeply and not feel shame. What a beautiful thing. We can be redefined from, from what we were to what Jesus was. We, we can literally go from loss to gain and contentment, from, from failure to success and, and the ability to overcome. I, I, I think Ephesians 4 puts it in, in the best light. And I'm going to read two sections, 22 through 24, and then 31 to 32. And it's, think about it in terms, if you would, of from to. This is what defined us. This is how he can redefine us. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. That's how we defined ourselves, guilt and loss and failure. To put off that old self, to, to lay it down, to take that mask off, because it's corrupted by deceitful desires. It's, it's driven by the wrong mold. And you were instructed... To put on the new self, created not in that way, but to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We can literally go from being anti-God to God-like, anti-Christ to Christ-like. We can go from being defined by guilt to being defined by righteousness, goodness. It's an amazing deal. We can be defined by goodness, rightness, holiness, which is amazing to me, we can go from to. Then look at verses 31 and 32, because I think these two verses are extremes, and they paint the picture of what we can go from to. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. And then in case that didn't hit you, along with every other form of malice, now, I need to say this right now, and for those of you at Northridge Brighton Howell, for those of you at Northridge Ann Arbor Selene, for those of you Church in Line, for all of you here at Northridge Plymouth, I, I just need to say this right now. If you find yourself nowhere in Ephesians 4.31, what in the heck are you doing here? You might as well, like, you know, be out snowboarding or, you know, y- you don't need this stuff. But the truth is, all of us are defined in one way by that. Because the result of being defined by guilt and loss and failure is that there has to be some kind of emotional response, right? And what is that emotional response? It's bitterness. It's anger. It's rage. It's brawling. It's slander. It's malice. It's like, I mean, that's the only emotion we can respond with. And he says, get rid of it. You don't have to be defined by that anymore in Jesus. Then he says, and now you can go from that to being redefined this way. Be kind. Me. Compassionate, oh, that, me. <laughs> Forgiving each other, me. No, it's not. It's not who I am. It's not who you are. And yet he says we can redefine our lives to that which is laughable. Kind, compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. How is that? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. There's the linchpin. There's the turnkey. So we know we have a problem, and we know that Jesus can help us to redefine it. But the big question is always how, right? How? 
what's God's solution to this problem we have? How, how does God resolve this problem? Well, we are in Palm Weekend. Palm Weekend is the weekend when, you know, all of Jerusalem seemed to gather to celebrate Jesus as the king, the coming one, the Messiah. I mean, he, he rode the, you know, the donkey um, and people put down palm leaves and coats and clothing so that, you know, it wouldn't go through the mud and they waved banners and they sang out that he was the great one and it was just an, an amazing, amazing moment. But that amazing moment led to the cross. And, and you need to know that before there is ever an Easter celebration, before there's ever a celebration of the new life of the resurrection, there is the acknowledgement of death and the cross. And so this weekend, that's what we're going to look at because that is God's great solution for our great problem. God's solution, the cross. The cross. I know it seems to be a malicious and sadistic and bloody presentation of, of life, but it was the only solution for our messed up lives. It's the great symbol of God's love, and it's the great symbol of our freedom. It's the great symbol of our freedom because Jesus allowed himself to be bound to a cross so we would never again have to be in bondage to sin or Satan or our own messed up choices. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. It says, remember... That at the time you were separate from Christ, before you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, before you put your faith in Christ, repented of trusting yourself and trusted him, this is the definition of your life. You were without hope and without God in the world. Of course, because you were defined by guilt and loss and failure. Without hope, without God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have now been brought near. How? Through the blood of Christ. God's solution for my problem is the cross. God's solution for your problem is the cross. It's the solution. It allows me to go from what defines me to how he can redefine me. The cross. But I think we have to understand how that works. What did the cross do? When Jesus was pounded onto that cross and he hung there and ultimately died there. What happened in God's cosmic story? Well, the first thing that happened was the enemy of every single one of us, Satan, was defeated and rendered powerless at the cross. At the cross, the evil one, with all of his power, with all of his deception, was defeated and rendered powerless. Look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. This is what the Bible says. He, he literally has no power over us when we are at the cross. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus too, shared in their humanity. So that by his death on that cross, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. And just in case you don't know who that is, that is the devil. The one who authored death and destruction in this world. The evil one who is continually the power behind deception was literally destroyed by him on the cross. And he destroyed him there, and he did it so he could free those, that's us, 
who all their lives were held in slavery, held in bondage by their fear of death. And that fear of death thing, it's not just physical death. It's not just that we're always consumed with the fear. It's that, that fear of our guilt and our loss and our failure and the fact that our lives mean nothing and our lives are despairing. It's like Satan has held that key and Satan was defeated and rendered powerless at the cross. Jesus nailed Satan's power to his cross. Now, now you need to know, he's, he's still prowling around. You know, 1 Peter 5 eight says he's prowling around like a roaring lion. We need to be aware, we need to be vigilant, we need to be on the lookout and all that different stuff. He's still prowling around like a lion. He's still roaring like a lion. And I'm going to tell you, I'm walking through some jungle somewhere and a lion jumps out and goes, whoa, I'm going to like, well, I'm going to need a new pair of underwear. I mean, it's just, I, it's, going to, it's going to like rile me. But if that lion was declawed and defanged and trained to be a little kitty cat, it couldn't hurt you. You could let it scare you. You could let it keep you in fear. You could let it haunt you. You could let it paralyze you. But we don't have to live in fear or defeat anymore because Satan has been defanged and Satan has been declawed. And yet we still surrender to him. His power was eliminated at the cross. There's another solution that was made possible by the cross. Not only was Satan defeated or rendered powerless there, but sin was defeated and rendered powerless at the cross. You'd never know that from our talk. I mean, I listen to believers all the time. Well, did you sin today? Yeah, me too. You can't go through a day without sin. I've never gone through a day without sin. Oh, sin owns me. Sin Sin doesn't own you if you're at the cross. Sin only owns you if you're not at the cross, which means too many of us are living too far from the cross of Jesus Christ. We sing about it, we talk about it, we claim it, we just don't live in its power. Because sin was defeated and rendered powerless at the cross. This isn't Brad Powell psychobabble, this is Jesus' truth. And it's about time we start living it. You don't have to be defeated by your sin because Jesus removed its power. You can walk in victory. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24. Chapter 2, verse 24. He himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, the cross, so that we might, would you say these next three words to me? Die to sins. I'm not hearing much about that these days. I haven't heard many people, I'm dying to sin. I've heard a lot of people, I'm dying because of my sin, but not dying to sin. We can overcome because its power has been eliminated over our lives. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live not for what used to define us, the things that cause guilt and loss and failure, but we can now live for righteousness, goodness, doing the right thing, being the right person. And then I love these last words, because by his wounds you have been healed. Why aren't we talking much about how we've been healed from this problem instead of how we are still being hindered by this problem? How come we're still living in defeat to this problem instead of overcoming this problem? The cross of Jesus Christ 
has made it possible for us to overcome sin, to redefine our lives, not to excuse why we live this way, but to give us the ability to overcome the way we used to live. This is a big deal. Sin was defeated and rendered powerless there. Think about what that means. All of our failures and all of our loss and all of our guilt, and they are many, are no longer on our back. When when I look in the mirror and I see a guilty, shameful loser, it means that I am not seeing myself through the reality of the cross. Because when I'm living in the reality of what Jesus did for me, I am no longer those things. They don't have power over me. They don't have power over us at the cross. They don't define us anymore. They don't express our reality anymore. They don't own us anymore. And they don't have to defeat us anymore. And yet too many of us wake up every day saying, another day of defeat, another day of guilt, another day of loss, another day of failure. Let's sing another Christian song. Sad. The cross means Satan has been defeated and rendered powerless. The cross means that sin has been defeated and rendered powerless. It doesn't have to be that which defines us anymore. And it goes one step further. Because the Bible makes it very clear that our corrupted nature, our messed up nature, was also defeated and rendered powerless at the cross. Our corrupted nature, that's the, that's the refined way of saying it, our messed up self was defeated and rendered powerless at the cross. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, for we know that our old self whoo, was crucified with him. Now, get this, our old self, that which was defined by guilt and loss and failure, was crucified with him hung on the cross with him so that the body of sin in us might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, in bondage to sin, having to sin, incapable of breaking free from sin. Because anyone who's died, and if you are at the cross, you've died with Christ, anyone who has died has been, would you say these three words with me? Freed from sin. Freed from sin. Now, if we died, it says, with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. You know what this says? He has made it possible to change who we are. And this is an excuse I hear all the time. And quite frankly, it's an excuse I give myself. But you just don't know how bad it is. You don't know how bad it is. You don't know how messed up. You don't know how messed up I am. Talk to people, why don't you... Why don't you start moving beyond that? You just don't know how messed up I am. Yes, I do. I'm looking at you right now. It's obvious. I know how messed up we are. But that's not what's supposed to define us when we follow Jesus Christ. What's supposed to define me is not the life that I lived. What's supposed to define me is the life that Jesus lived. What's supposed to define me is what he made possible for me. And he made possible for me to live the life that God originally designed for me. I can change 
who I am, not on my own. I can work so hard running around trying to rip masks. I can work so hard and I can try so hard and I can paint it in religion or paint it in irreligion. I can change philosophies or change behaviors or change cultures and it will never move me beyond who I am. But he can change who I am. It's what the cross was all about. And so you say, well, okay, what's that mean for me? Well, let me give you the application. In order to break the mold, which is what we've been talking about this entire series, in order to break the mold, in order to redefine our lives, we must by faith, we have to put our trust in him, our faith in him, we must by faith accept and be transformed by the power of the cross. What's the power of the cross? It's the power to redefine our lives. What's the power of the cross? It's the power that rendered Satan powerless, rendered sin powerless, rendered my old corrupted nature irrelevant and powerless. And I need to be transformed by its power, but I have to, by faith, accept it. And so I just thought I would talk about how for a couple of seconds. How do I by faith accept and get transformed by the power of this cross so that Satan doesn't have the power over me in sin and my old nature. How, how do I make this change? Well, first thing you have to realize is by faith, you have to choose to apply the power of the cross. And, and uh, it doesn't end there because it goes in several different directions. We have to choose by faith to apply the power of the cross to our past If you're going to experience a broken mold and being set free, set free from Satan and sin and from your old corrupt nature, then you have to apply by faith the power of the cross to your past. You have to apply the power of the cross to your past guilt and your past loss and your past failures. And I believe this is where many of us just don't do it. I mean, this doesn't cut it. Oh, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Okay, what next? That doesn't get us there. Because, you see, our whole identity is caught up in what's defined us. Guilt and loss and failure. Guilt and loss and failure. This isn't about what we've done. This is about who we are, who we've become. We are guilt. We are loss. We are failure. And so, the choices I make in my day, the reason I keep following everyone else and conforming to all the wrong molds is because I see myself through those lenses of that which defined me for so long. And I have to apply by faith the power of the cross to that past, to that guilt that has haunted me for so long, to those losses that I've regretted so long, to the failures that I've beat myself up over for so long. I've got to, by faith, choose power of the cross. Be honest to yourself. You don't have to be honest with me. Be honest to yourself. When was the last time you found yourself defeated or despairing over something in your past? When's the last time you made a bad choice in your present because you've given up because of something in your past? It wasn't too long ago, I bet. We've got to let it go. We have to apply the cross to our past. We have to apply its power. Satan deceived me, but he deceives me no more. Sin owned me, but it owns me no more. My corrupted nature was who I was, but it's who I am no more. We 
have to go to the cross. Look at Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is, and this is an important word, now, there is now no condemnation, no guilt, no loss, no failure, nothing from our past that defines us for those who are in Christ Jesus at the cross because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. If you're haunted by who you've been, you need to drop it off at the cross. And you do that by faith. And so I just want to encourage you right now, just before I give you the final two applications, I want to encourage you to do that. So I'm going to ask you at all of our sites here in Plymouth, the Brighton Howell and Ann Arbor Celine Church Online, if you'd just bow with me in a word of prayer. And if you're a believer already, I bet you there are some things that you could talk to God about from this talk already. But if you've never, ever allowed him to literally take your past away, pray with me now. Just make my words yours. Just say, Jesus, when you died on that cross, you died to give me a new life, to redefine me. And so I acknowledge my guilt, my loss, my failure, my sin. And I'm putting my trust in your death on that cross. Forgive me. Make me new. Redefine me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I just, please let us know. We we put together a letter that can help you take next steps, and we'd love to celebrate that you made the choice. We promise not to do anything funky, like, you know, call you a hundred times in a week, and we won't do anything like that. We just want to know. And then give you that letter. So in the programs that you were handed when you came into one of our live settings is a little connection card. You just take it out and um, rip it out. It's really easy to do, as you can see from what I'm doing right now. And, uh, and then you just fill out the form. And on the bottom, check off that thing that says, I received Jesus in my life for the first time. I just prayed. And then there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there. And not only will we celebrate you with you, but we'll send you that information. And if you're watching Church Online, let us know as well. Hit the What Next button. We'll do the same thing for you. But there's another reality that you have to understand to make application. If you're going to really experience breaking free, then, then you have to choose by faith to apply the power of the cross, not just to your past, but in your present. I mean, you have to literally, by faith, choose to apply the power of the cross in your present, not to your past. And this is what most people do. They apply it backwards. Okay, that guilt that used to be there, that loss that used to be there, that failure used to be there, gone. But today, I'm still, you know, whew, I'm still blowing it. So thank God that I can always apply the cross to my past because tonight, my past will be bad. Tomorrow night, my past will be bad. Next month, my past will be bad. Till Jesus comes, I expect my past to be bad. What a miserable life that is. We're supposed to apply it to our present in our present. Here's the deal. Sin and Satan has messed up who we are. Our original nature has ultimately been defined by defeat, but all of that has been rendered powerless at the cross. But we can still be defeated by them. We can still live without guilt, live with guilt, live with loss, live with failure if we don't make the choice to apply the power of the cross today. I can't overcome Satan on my own, so I need to, by faith, live in the power of the cross. I can't overcome sin on my own. I have to live by faith in the power of the cross. I can't overcome who I am on my own. But Jesus 
can change who I am. I need to live in the power of the cross. Look at how Romans chapter 6 says it in verses 11 through 13. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. This is so important. Count yourselves dead to sin. I don't hear believers saying that. I hear most believers saying, man, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but it's going to be bad. Really? You're saying, I'm alive to sin and enjoying it. Thank God for the cross. I mean, really? He's saying, count yourself by faith. Believe in what Jesus did for you. You are dead to sin and count this to be true. You're alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? Stop being defined by what you were and start being defined by who you are. This is what Jesus has done for us. Stop seeing yourself through the old lens and start seeing yourself through the new lens. And then it says, and when you do, it says, you will not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Sin does not have to reign over you. Sin has been rendered powerless in your lives. You don't have to obey it. You don't have to be in bondage to it anymore. And when you count yourself dead to sin because you're redefined by Jesus and alive to God because you're redefined by Jesus, you can finally say no to the deception of the evil one and no to the sin and no to your corrupt nature. And you can say, I will not be that anymore because Jesus has made me this. And this is rather, offer yourselves to God. Live the redefined life as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of goodness or righteousness. You know, daily, we need to remember. And I, I hope, once again, in this, talk, this series, I've told you I'm not going to try and give clear oratorical presentations that, you know, send you out of going, man, that guy can talk. I, I'm trying to give you some of the difficult realities that we fight through and how God solved them. And here's what I have found. We need to daily remember, daily, that those things we used to be powerless to overcome, we can now overcome. We can. It doesn't mean that's not who we were and that's not how we were born and that's not what we would do on our own. It means that he redefines who we are. We need to remember that those things that used to hold us hostage we're now free to say no to. The prison door has been opened. We can leave them behind. We are free from those things which used to define us, guilt and loss and failure, but we're only free of those things by the power of the cross. Only as we choose to live by faith in what Jesus has made possible will we experience that kind of freedom. And I would bet, because it's so true in my life as well, Every day this last week, you didn't wake up and see yourself through the lens of who you are on the cross. You woke up and saw yourself through the lens of who you are on your own. And this is why you wake up and say, I'm going to mess up my relationship again today and I'm going to make some bad choices today and I'm not going to be able to say no to this addiction today and I'm not going to be able to do this today. And you know what, I'm just going to be the same old messed up person I've always been. Yep. Until you, by choice and faith, see yourself in and live through the power of the cross. And finally, one last application. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57 and 58. But thanks be to God. And remember, if you remember where I started this talk, <laughs> um, I, I started by saying life's really tough. By, by nature, the last thing I want to do at any moment in time is say, well, but thanks be to God. You know, that's just not where I start out. 
It says, but thanks be to God. Why? Because he gives us the victory. We don't have to live in defeat. We don't have to live in bondage. He gives us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. And so, therefore, this is how we can live. Not how we would live naturally, but how we can live in Jesus. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Don't keep your head down. Don't live in despair. Don't keep giving up. Don't keep giving in. Stand firm. Don't let anything move you. That's who you used to be, not who you are now. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord towards doing good instead of towards who you are on your own. And then it says, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Choose by faith, the last application point, choose by faith to hope in the power of the cross for your future. How do I know living for Jesus today will be worth it tomorrow? Because of the power of the cross. How do I know living in his goodness today will be worth it tomorrow? Because of the power of the cross. Choose to have faith in the power of the cross and it will give you hope for your future. If you find yourself living without hope for your future, it's because you're seeing your future based upon who you are. You need to see your future based upon who Jesus is, and it will change your entire world. Does that make sense? Um, You can redefine your life. Now, just before you follow the other people who've already left out of here, um, (laughs) I want to remind you that next weekend is Easter, and there are some differences this coming weekend that you just need to know about, and I want to share with you. And um, next week at Easter is a big, big deal. Because we're going to give out baskets and chocolate. No, that's not why. I'm just kidding. Um, Because we're not doing that. It's a big deal. We've got an unbelievable service planned. I mean, plenty of opportunities. Listen, 11 service opportunities. Weekend service opportunities. 11 service opportunities. It's a big deal. And it's a service well worth the 11. We have nine here in Plymouth. Uh, We have four on Friday, Good Friday. We have three on Saturday. And then we have two on Sunday. And, I mean, they're going to be big. And then we have one in Ann Arbor, Celine, and one in Brighton Howe. And then, of course, we have church online. So there's actually, beyond that, 12 opportunities. And here's what you need to realize. Um, They're only going to be filled if we invite people in. That's the only way they're going to be filled. The only way people are going to find the hope of Jesus and take advantage of this is is if we invite people in. And I know it's a hard thing. Some of us are so afraid to invite. Some of us, you know, are coy about it. It's just a difficult thing. I want to remind you how important it is to invite. So to do that just before you go, watch this, and then I'll close the service. going to be full. It's always full. And it'll be the same in your church, I promise. It'll be full. It'll be full of people like me. Full of people who haven't been to church in a while. Full of people who think they might be critiqued or analyzed or judged unfairly. Full of people who don't have God in their lives and aren't exactly sure how to get him back. But you know what? Before I step in, I need you. I need you to do something that's probably a big deal for you. 
you're going to see me this week. And I need you not to walk past me. And I need you to work through your fear because I'm working through mine. And I just, I just need you to invite me in. And if I act like I'm not interested in going to church with you, still, I need you to ask me to come. Because look, at the end of the day, God said he loved me enough to die for me. I mean, that is the claim, right? Your church will be full this weekend. Your church could be full this weekend with people just like me. Different face, different skin color, different age, sex, or social status. But make no mistake, I could be sitting right next to you. I just need you to invite me in, that's all. There is such power in an invitation. And we can invite... People are being invited to all kinds of things. March Madness parties. University of Michigan winning, you know, the whole thing. Parties, that kind of thing. Um, Congratulations, by the way, to Michigan State. And to the University of Michigan today. Go get them. Um, But there's nothing like inviting people to hear about how they can be alive in and through Jesus Christ. And I just, 11, 11 live opportunities, I just encourage you, take advantage of all those different things. Come on Friday, come on Saturday, come to all of them, I don't care, just invite people. We have invitations that you can fill out, you can pick these up at guest services, some of you got them last week. Imagine the world if everyone you knew had experienced the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Imagine the world. And it can only happen if we invite them one by one. Let's do it this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.